Welcome to Take a Wonder with Shebs, the show that features some of the biggest travel bloggers, TV and radio personalities and journalists from all around the world. Each show aims to take my guest on a wonder and uncover topics that may not be discussed on their platforms or in the media, whether that's the state of travel blogging and journalism as it is today, or whether there's enough diversity within the industry. Perhaps what impact technology and social media have had on content creation, or in general the impact of current affairs on the industry. I also try and find out the journey behind each individual's success, as this is more important to me than the actual travel. This episode aired on my YouTube channel on the 31st of May 2021, and it's with Fly Brother Ernest White II. Our topic of discussion was on whether diversity within the travel industry exists. We also discussed racism in society following the Black Lives Matter movement. Plus, we talked about his show, Fly Brother, with Ernest White II. Hi, Ernest. How's it going? Hey, Chevs. How are you, man? Not too bad. It looks like a sunny, nice, sunny day. It is. It's very sunny. I don't know if I should uh, sit here or go in the shade just because uh, the, the California sun can, can burn. So actually, let me go. Uh, walk uh, under a tree or something how did you get into the world of travel and was it from an early age yes Uh, definitely i've just always been a geography nerd man i was a geek i memorized all the names of the countries in the world and the capitals and i used to love maps and uh just flags and different um national costumes and i was always drawn to things that were um just spoke to other cultures. Um, mm. I grew up in my, both of my parents were teachers. So there were books in the house and encyclopedias. I would take the, uh, I don't know if you guys had the same brands, but, uh, encyclopedia Britannica was for the, the, the upper okay. class. We had world book encyclopedia and All the right. M <laughs> edition was the thickest. And I would take that with me to summer camp, you know? So everyone's out playing in the yard and I'm like reading the, the, the largest volume of the encyclopedia because it was, it was travel to me. You know, I grew up in Florida. Uh, Walt Disney World was the place we would go to as kids. It was much cheaper then. And uh, they built uh, Epcot Center, which had these different countries that you could countries that you could visit. Um, And again, it was just there was always that sense of adventure that was in me and and the desire to travel and get out into the world. And uh, I tell this story a lot, but uh, I grew up in church, as all good Southern boys do. And the, uh, the wife of uh, my preacher, Mrs. Estelle McKissick, she was, a, uh, she was also a teacher. And she gave me a book called Free Stuff for Kids for Christmas one time. I had to have been maybe eight or nine years old. And in that book, you could order by sending off a postcard to different tourism boards and um, convention and visitors bureaus. You could send off a postcard and they'd send you information. They'd send you uh posters and and travel books and there's some kids coming out enjoying it, so sorry about that um, but they, they would just send all this information in in, in uh, this was pre-internet you know uh so the 1980s and you would open up these books and they would just have photographs of uh the things you could do in singapore and in monaco uh in la you know i grew up in jacksonville florida man it's a southern yeah. city <laughs> kind of suburban you know so um just to, to see what life was like in all these different places, to see movies like uh, um, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown by Pedro Almodovar. I was like nine years old watching this and being <laughs> swept up in the drama of Spanish. And, and uh, you know, I probably was too young to be watching that film. But mm. my point is just having access 
to a different world. And I was always drawn out into it. And recently someone asked me if I was uh, scared when I did my first trip. I did a study abroad, a foreign exchange trip the summer of oh, my yeah. between my junior and senior years of high school to Sweden. Okay. Um, because I wanted to host a foreign exchange student. And my parents were like, uh, no, but you <laughs> can go. Uh, and okay. so I ended up going. And um, I wasn't afraid, not because I had done anything to not be afraid, you know, built up this. I just was curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on some level, I guess I kind of knew I would be all right, that everything would be all right. And it doesn't mean that I've not had experiences in the world that uh, I've, I've experienced racism. I've experienced homophobia. Uh, I've experienced other, um, I, I've experienced discrimination on the road, but more than that, I've experienced welcome. I've experienced love and, uh, and, and, and peaceful embrace and, and uh, just the, the, the experience of humanity. And so that's kind of what's, what keeps me out into the world, in the world, you know, yeah. as a way of connecting with people and showing people, showing black Americans, showing all Americans and showing all humans that we belong out in the world. We belong connected to each other. You know, that's what that connectivity is what makes life worth living to me. For what, what happened a couple of weeks ago, it's obviously had a massive impact on a, on a lot of people's lives. Will each government sort of look at it and go, right, things need to change, especially in the States? Well, man, I think, you know, that is what's happening right now. So the fact that you have uh, handheld technology, you know, what we're seeing is the next iteration of what people were able to see with the advent of television in the 1960s, uh, showing uh, police dogs attacking protesters and, and, and water hoses turned on people wearing their Sunday best during the civil rights movement uh, of the 1960s in the American South. And uh, people were shocked to see that happening on television. And, 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 and you had a large movement in that direction. Uh, because the awareness was there in a way that hadn't existed before. And I think now the same thing is happening, that people uh, are seeing things uh, on social media. And also they're seeing things because we were on quarantine in, many places, in, in, in the world. So things that would have ordinarily kind of not been so noticed uh, have come to the fore. And I think that's why you've got such a large global response to it. it is, racism is a global issue. It didn't start in the United oh, States. You know, the original Native Americans were pushed off their lands by the British, by the Dutch, by yeah. the French, by the Spanish. You know, so I think it's important that um, ownership is taken kind of and stock is taken globally uh, because this racism is only one of the many isms that serve to separate us as human beings. You know, we are a global community made up of smaller and diverse and amazing and, and wonderful communities. And I think uh, this is an opportunity now. Uh, that not only are people around the world seeing ways that they can connect better with each other, but societies and governments as well. And so, you know, you are seeing local governments changing ordinances, um, yeah. making uh, it, uh, allowing police officers to step in when they see one of their own kind of be out of line. You're, uh, uh, there's ways that, uh, that local and uh, state and national jurisdictions, or local and state jurisdictions are kind of really acting uh, to create just a, 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 a more peaceful environment for us all. Uh, one of the questions I've got for you is, is about the, the diversity within the travel industry. So I've looked at it in the past couple of weeks and a lot of it is 
this sort of white blonde th- is there any diversity would you say this is, a, this is not a topic that uh it just <laughs> racism is not a topic that can be discussed in one conversation no the travel industry is not a topic that be, can be discussed in one conversation but just to touch on a few points uh i will uh just focus let's say on on the travel industry and diversity there yes um you know Historically, at least in the United States, uh, travel as an industry in, in its early days was prohibitively expensive for a lot of people. And while you always had people of all different backgrounds traveling, I mean, we just uh, there's an article around uh, uh, that's circulating talking about the uh, sole uh, black passenger on the Titanic uh, yep. who was a man of Haitian descent. You know, and, and, and that's not a story that's often told. He perished, unfortunately. But he was well-to-do and uh, was married to a French woman and his children uh, were on the boat in first class with him. But uh, Mm -hmm. so traveling has always happened for for many different uh, people, types of people. Um, But travel, the travel industry in terms of uh, the storytelling space, in terms of the publications that uh, would write uh, travel narrative, which started off in the old days as explorer tales you know, and, and tales of adventure and, and that kind of thing. And then it, it turned into uh, travel narrative moving forward and then into the commercial travel uh, writing that we've seen in the, the, the latter part of the 20th century into the 21st century. Um, it's always been, it, it's always been white dominated, you know, and part of that has to do with the fact that uh, upper class, the upper classes were mostly white that were traveling in the West um, and then having access to editors who could relate to the experiences you know yeah. um you're looking at something that's been kind of skewed to want towards one particular group of people for much of its existence and even now yes when you do look at uh travel influencers um it's more diverse than it's ever been and at the same time it's still heavily skews towards kind of that um and i don't want to necessarily uh well it, yeah the, the the blonde blue-eyed kind of um paragon if you will yeah and i think this is a call for uh destinations for publications to consider the work of people of color who are writers uh you know yes obviously it's important to get black voices it's important to have latino voices many of i i don't see a lot of latino um travel writers and 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 content creators that are given pride of place uh very few people from south and and west asia or or east asia for that matter um and so in general there's a lack of diversity uh that i think is is now being addressed in a, a large kind of uh vocal way and um i want to believe that people are doing it out of the goodness of their hearts And I'm looking forward to see if this is sustainable because, you know, Shabs, man, you have a story to tell, you know, let me ask you a question. Were you, are you, uh, were you born in the UK? Yes, I was born in London. Um, in fact, where, where I grew up, uh, in, in London, the first part of my 10 years, it was quite a rough neighborhood. Um, there was quite, there was, I mean, there was a bit of racial, uh, racial tensions that was because I used to, I was from the East part of London, but now when you go to it, it's, it's changed. My family originate from Bangladesh, so okay. they migrate. So they migrated across to the UK in the early eighties, um, and you know it was tough going. It wasn't easy, sure, sure, um, of course, especially man. for especially for migrants. It was 
my dad would tell me stories of um, when they used to go to, when they used to when they first moved. You'd have to pay to um, get a shower. That's mm. that's what it was. That's what it was like. You literally had to pay twenty cents or thirty cents or whatever to get a shower. That that's how tough it was at the time. But I think it was the government at the time. It was difficult and stuff. But it's changed now. I mean, sure. I I grew up um, again. You don't realize when you're a kid anyway. Um, but I grew up in what we got. I don't know. You, I'm sure you call it bed and breakfasts as well, don't you? Is that right? Yes, B&Bs, yes. Yes, yeah, so B&Bs. So the first part of my five, six years, um, it was uncle's houses, um, B&Bs. That's sure. You, you don't realize these things until you get older. But man, that was travel. You know, that was, yeah. that, that, and, and your folks coming over from Bangladesh were traveling, even if yeah, it wasn't yeah, a vacation or leisure travel. And I'm sorry for interrupting. Yeah, but yeah, the no, reason no. I asked you that is because that's the kind of narrative. Those are the narratives that need to be told as well. Yes. You know, your experiences, let's say if you, if you did, I, I don't know if you, you have been back to Bangladesh or not, yes. but, or not back because you're, you're not from Bangladesh, even though that's your, that's the origin of your, 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 your cultural background, but you're British as well, you know? Yeah. So kind of going there as a, a, a Londoner, you know, I would love to read about your experiences on the ground in a culture that you have familiarity with. But that you're still not a local because you're a London boy. You know, like those kinds of things are, those are stories that need to be told and need to be out there. So that's on one side, the travel narrative aspects. But even on the commercial side, you know, you've got a voice that would be different than someone who is looking at that experience from a place of, let's say, without the filter of your own personal experience as a man of color. You know, and so, or as the son of immigrants and, and, and those are the types of, that's why it's important to have diverse stories. And so up to now, I do feel like the travel industry and the travel writing industry, travel journalism has not lived up to its grandest kind of, uh, uh, capabilities because the whole point of, the, of travel is to get out into the world and to be part of the world. But the narrative has up to now been dominated by a small group of people who, kind of in a lot of ways dominate much of the other industries that we kind of engage with as professionals of color in Europe and in the United States. And now that, and that is something that needs to change. I, I was talking to uh, quite a big influencer a couple of weeks ago. And I don't want to mention their name, but um, they went to Chichen Itza in Mexico and mm. their version of Chichen Itza and their picture was completely different to mine. I mean, they were wearing, you know, night outs or evening gowns or even evening um, suits or whatever and there was no one around it looked like the picture had been photoshopped mm. when i asked oh how did you go there oh i went there well before anyone did so i get that picture and then get out there as soon as possible is that really what travel's about because for me traveling is about the storytelling as you were just saying you know for me, I, when I went there, I was sweating, shorts, t-shirts, mm-hmm. jungle hat and stuff. I had so many people around me. When I first saw it, I thought, oh, well, what is this? Do I really feel anything for it? But when I spoke to other people, they're like, oh, you know, I can then see why it was so magical. But is it really that, do we really want that sort of, you know, narrative storytelling in, in the travel industry? 
I don't know. Uh, so I'm coming from the perspective of traditional journalism. You know, I have uh, my master's degrees in creative writing. I worked as an editor for a while on magazines, and I, I'm, I'm still very much kind of a slave to the pen, if you will. And so I'm less of a, an expert on where we're headed in terms of like that visual storytelling or the narrative mm. that goes along with influencers on on um on instagram and, and on these kind of uh little uh, uh flash kinds of, of of stories that people tell with just a photograph and a caption uh and i think that's part of the, the problem is that you know how deep can you go with a, a set of photographs and a paragraph, you know, not very. Uh, and so when you're playing for the, the game just for likes, as opposed to engaging with the place, as opposed to engaging with the people in the way that is uh, sustained and, and in a way that really kind of shows that you are being present and you care about what you're experiencing. Um, it's not something that I feel like is easily done on social media. So I think it's, as audience members, there's always going to be uh, the, the kind of surface level pretty pictures that people are going to take, you know, and try to one up each other on uh, in, in, in outrageousness and uh, uniqueness. But there's still a room and there's still room for those of us who do care about deeper stories, who care about um, a, a broader experience to tell our stories, too. And so you don't have to feel pressured as long as you're speaking authentically, you don't need to feel mm -hmm. pressured to have every hair in place when yeah. you scale the, you know, I've been to, uh, I haven't been to Chichen Itza, but I've been to Teotihuacan, which is outside of Mexico oh, yeah. City. Uh, and it's hot and you're sweaty and you're getting sunburned. And, and yeah, there probably are going to be a lot of other people around you. So tell that narrative. Yeah. You know, I, I think on one hand, there's this pretense of exclusivity that we all kind of like, you know, I'm not immune to it. Um, but I think you have to temper that with the reality of the world that we're, we're not out here by ourselves. You know, exactly. we're, we're here with other people and, and we sweat. Your show, your television show is yes. all about connection and, and friendship. So is that what the, the emphasis of the, is that where it came from, from your experiences and trying to Absolutely. tell that story through your show? Yes, man. So, you know, I, I, the show kind of came about from a blog that I kept for a long time. Uh, just talking about my experiences as a black American guy out in the world. Um, also, you know, and it's, and you touched on this a little bit, colorism yeah. is a thing, you know, uh, my experiences as a person who's kind of caramel colored or whatever, uh, brown, you know, in the world, uh, can't ha have been different than some of my darker brothers. And I say darker just in terms of skin tone uh, and in terms of uh, features that are much more quote unquote traditionally African. They have had issues that I may not have had in a particular mm. place. Uh, so that it's important to recognize that. I, I, and I was saying that I, I would write about my experiences, positive, negative, but also positive on my blog. And a friend of mine uh, from college was involved in a small startup television network. And he was like, hey man, uh, we need a, a show, a uh, travel show. We want you to kind of to, to weigh in on it, man. You've got great stories. Uh, you've got a lot of experience. And so I ended up kind of developing a show. Um, and I was thinking like, what would be the differentiator? You know, I'm not a foodie, 
Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of a fatty, you know, I'm kind of a fatty. Like, I love to eat, but I'm not really going to sit there and, like, I, I can't go into, I don't have the patience, man. Like, I'm ready to eat, you know? And yeah, the times yeah, that yeah. we do film food on the show, it's just like, oh, my God, are you done filming now? Like, I'm hungry. Um, but, but uh, so what the dif- my differentiator, the thing that I bring home most often is... A connection, man, is a set of friends that I didn't have when I first got to a destination. You know, it's people who I'm able now to stay in contact with because we've got the technology these days. You know, before you used to have to like write, you could be pen pals and you'd you yeah. know send a letter or a postcard or you would spend six dollars a minute on a long distance phone call. But now we've got everything and everybody on our phones, you know, and Absolutely. so. I know the beauty of seeing myself in people who look nothing like from Senegal to Mongolia to Sweden to South Africa and every place in between. And I want everyone to know what that feeling is like. Uh, And that's kind of what the mission is behind the show. And you called it Fly Brother. Is that, is it you? Is that what it is? Kind of. Uh, (laughs) So Fly Brother is a take on kind of a black American slang. So something that's fly is cool. It's interesting. It's, you know, it's a term from the sixties and seventies actually. So no, okay. uh, super fly and all of that. But also of course it speaks to the fact that uh, it, to travel by air. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, and I'm a big aviation geek. I used to collect timetables as a kid and, and, and flight posters and all that stuff. Uh, and then the brother part is, I mean, you know, black dude, brother. Yes. Uh, so yeah, you know, that's all. <laughs> all right, okay. And you've done a season of it, and were, were you planning on, were you ready to go out to film season two before? Yes, we were all set to film uh, an episode back in April. I'm not going to say the destination, but okay, yeah. uh, it, it got cancelled, you know, naturally and, and, and obviously um, just due to safety concerns. And, and course, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of people, we, we've all experienced discomfort, if not absolute trauma coming from uh from the pandemic and so uh yeah that was postponed but we're yeah. kind of eager to get back out into the world as the world is awakening on to season one so how many how many destinations did you go to then because we i don't know whether we can get it in the uk or anywhere in europe or not yet not yet but okay. it's coming um so right now the show is on public television stations in the united states we ha- yeah. we're rolling out into many different markets and in the summer we will be national on. Uh, we'll be airing nationally on Create TV, which is a okay. cable network. And then uh, later in the year, opportunities through streaming and other platforms to see yeah. the show internationally. Um, but at the moment, we're strictly on public television stations. Uh, so check your local listings if you are in the United States, or you can visit our website, FlyBrother.net. I have to always <laughs> say these things. But yeah. the series uh, we filmed in about eleven destinations total. Though oh, only wow. 10 are, have, have found their way into an episode. Well, not 10, 11, but we've got 10 episodes. Uh, yeah. And season one is, um, go in order, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Tbilisi, Georgia, uh, Toronto, Canada, Northern Namibia, Stockholm, Sweden, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, Mumbai, India, Tajikistan, Cape Town, South Africa. And one, the final episode is Casablanca, Morocco, and Bogota, Colombia together. Double feature. How long did it take you to film all those episodes? Was it over a period of six months, a year? Longer than that, man. We were bootstrapping this whole thing. And the journey's been kind of windy, 
because uh, that original uh, startup network that we were that uh, commissioned the series went dark while we were still filming. So okay. for a while we had a cart but no horse, and okay. uh, so we. It, I would say from conception to screen, it's a, a just uh, under three years. That is yeah. a long time. So it is when you, uh, but again, you know, funding it ourselves. So what people don't realize is the, the amount of effort that goes into you. It might be 10 episodes, 10 weeks of episodes, but actually you don't realize the amount of years it's gone into yes. to doing a show like that. And, um, and as I I'm, I'm waiting for it to see, cause I, I, I love all types of travel shows. Where would you say made a, uh, a massive impact on your life when you went? Oh man, always Tajikistan, but you know, it's yeah. really just the central Asia is such a it's a place that's so different in a lot of ways from what we experience growing up in the u.s or even in the uk or uh, uh like latin america where i lived for a while um people are people so that's the beauty you, you again recognize that humanity and others but it's a combination of just these spectacular mountain landscapes that i, I i've had never seen anywhere you know until mm. i got to tj and then also just the the warmth of the people, you know, they're not really smiley uh, in that part of the world because, and I get it, like it's, that's not really a thing everywhere, like in the US with our skinning and grinning as we do. But um, the people are so, they care, you know, they want you to feel welcome. They want, and, and what I learned when I was there, it's a matter of life and death uh, when you're dealing with people passing through your, your part of the world there because. It could be, you know, folks, it, it's arid in the summer and it's frozen in the winter. Uh, there's this harsh climate that they live in. And so they want to make sure that people are fed and have lodging, you know. So there's that kind of culture of hospitality that's embedded. It's a, a thousands of years old because Tajikistan's on the former Silk Road. Uh, and so that is very palpable. And one of the things that I learned when I was there or that I experienced was when people engage with you. You know, they do, they kind of uh, put their hand on their heart and they bow. A little mm. bit. And it's just such, it's, just, it's, it's an amazing gesture, you know, and, uh, and that has always stayed with me. And it's in a place that people know nothing about really over here in the U.S. Um, and so that's where a part of my role is to kind of um, offer an opportunity for places to tell their own story. I may be uh, the filter or the, the conduit or channel. But it's still an opportunity for people who heretofore have not had their voices heard on this on a global stage in the way that a Paris might have. Uh, and there's, you know, obviously we'll be going to Paris too. We love Paris. Yeah. Uh, and there's stories there that haven't been told either that, mm. that are, are, are just kind of waiting and bursting at the seams. And that is what I love about what I do. It's not just that I get to travel, but that I get to really engage with people who are excited to be engaged with you know they're excited to 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 talk to somebody who wants to know what what what's going on you know in their lives Absolutely. having so much time now back at home mm. obviously you said you, you were away on the road for three years well not all you not made? like three solid years but yeah not back and forth back and forth, yeah <laughs> well, has it sort of made you appreciate your home life because has it has it has it had an impact on your on your home life i would say with um with all the traveling well i'll say this traveling for work is not the same thing as traveling the way you might do as e even as a travel writer you know yeah. there's kind of on one hand 
there is the the aspect of of vacation or, or leisure time and when i when i fly into a destination like tajikistan to film an episode you know i don't get a chance it's not about like so much downtime you know you've got to optimize your time on the road and because of that because you're working and you're on the entire time when you're home you just really appreciate it more as a place to just relax you know um I would say that I do appreciate my home life much more now after having done a series, a season of a show. Doesn't mean I'm not ready to get back out into the world, but it does mean that I may, uh, that I do, I feel a bit more anchored than I did before. It's because I, I desired that anchor uh, by being on the road for work. Yeah. Has travel changed any preconceived notions uh, you may have had prior to visiting a place? I would say going to Egypt for the first time really okay. changed my, and this was back in 2009. So before the, before Arab Spring uh, and the, the revolutions that were taking place there. But I, as much as I'd like to consider myself to be uh, progressive and all of that, I mean, I still, as an American in that part of the world had some, preconceived notions about oh they probably don't like americans and I, I i put on an accent and pretended to not be from the united states for a little while until i realized like this is dumb you know like they are totally chill with me being from the u.s no one you know not that people not that no one cares but um it it wasn't anything that would have had a major uh impact on my experience at least Mm-hmm. On the ground level, people were like, oh, great, you're from the U.S., you know, and, and, and that was the end of it. There might have been some questions about, you know, oh, New York or whatever, but it just really made me recognize my own kind of embedded prejudice, you know, and that comes from the fact that we're living in societies where we get media hammered into our heads, which is yeah. why it's important for us to tell different stories we have to because we do need to know what it's like on the ground and and, and my experience in egypt is not the same as a woman's experience in egypt or a black woman's experience in egypt even you know so i I, positively or negatively and so that's why again like we have to own our voices and, and and be out there and kind of um yeah just just tell the tale as you were saying that each person's experiences, whether you're a woman or whether you're, you know, whatever, is going to be different. I think yeah. that's the beauty. That's why I love talking to people uh, about their experiences. So um, no one's going to have the same experience um, in, in terms of, of their travels. So, um, I mean, it's fascinating to hear. And I think one, one of the, the best parts of, of traveling is, for me, um, meeting the locals and trying to understand what their lives are like. They live a simple life and, and there's no stress sometimes. And you think to yourself, sometimes too much in your life can be a bit of a problem, you know? Uh, no, indeed, man. And I, I wouldn't ever say that I feel necessarily that they may have no worries. I'm sure they've got worries that are, you know, but compared to some of the bs that we worry about you know what i mean like that's the thing like our we get so caught up in and and i mean again like we we also have to not flog ourselves over it you know what i mean like we 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 can't beat ourselves up over the fact that we grew up in societies that we grew up in that kind of uh they're focused or heretofore had been focused on acquisition right and so we are made to feel inadequate because we don't have a certain amount of things or that right thing etc etc and so I think in that regard, 
you know, a lot of other cultures seem to uh, have retained their understanding that it's human connection that does matter the most. And I think in around the world, you've got more and more people in all countries that are awakening to that understanding. And that's the beauty of what we do as well, because we can start finding those folks in our home environments too. What is the most startling experience you've had while traveling? Most startling experience, I would say, in addition to this, the again, I, I'll give a few. Like in Tajikistan, just the, the mountains and turning the cor- a corner and saying, boom, like this entirely different vista of, of, of mountains that I hadn't been. I mean, just ever more beautiful with, with every turn of a road. Um, in... South Africa, it was just culture and the people and being brought in and feeling uh, uh, just a, an experience of home. In uh, India, it was uh, the Agra Fort in, uh, in yeah. Agra, which has a view of the Taj Mahal, but in itself is so intricate and beautifully hewn. And we don't know much about it because we know about the Taj Mahal, which is, again, breathtaking. But Agra Fort, it's just in this red stone is 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 that was you know startling to me um and then so many other places just the serendipitous moments of connection of intimacy and love with people and i don't mean just in a romantic sense i mean just Mm. in, in terms of that human connection where you can just be close to somebody and really feel like this is this this is what it's all about you know those experiences that i have in so many different places um so yeah i'm gonna let you go thank you so much for coming on it's fascinating insight um into the diversity of travel or how you started your show and everything and it's been hopefully people have been captivated inspired by what you said so i appreciate you coming on and um hopefully i might i always say we might our, our lives might you know cross paths you know when, when we're traveling so 100 man i know it will and i really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and the audience thank you chefs brother no, no, i'm no, looking no. forward to keeping the conversations going absolutely thank you very much all right man take care you can follow my guests on all of their social media platforms the details are in the description that's it for take a wonder with chefs don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms until next time bye for now